Welcome, friend. I hope you're well. You're listening to the Mr. X Dreams podcast, where I regale you with stories of all things paranormal. Now, whether these stories come from my listeners, my own personal and family experience, or fictional stories from my own imagination, all stories you'll hear here are written and performed by yours truly. Make sure you follow this podcast for countless journeys to come. If you're listening on a rating-supported platform, like Apple iTunes, a five-star review would be very much appreciated. If you have a scary story of your own, reach out at mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. That's mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. And share your story with me. You might even hear it on a future episode. Now, sit back, relax, and spend a moment or two here in my world. I'm Mr. X, and welcome to my dreams. This episode is a part of a series of my older recordings I did for the Mr. X Dreams YouTube channel. If you're listening to the podcast version, please excuse references to YouTube and subscribers and things like that. Consider it a relic of the past. If you're the type to prefer visuals along with your stories, I usually put artwork and motion graphics to go along with the experience. You can find those videos over at youtube.com by searching Mr. X Dreams. We'll talk again soon. Greetings, friends. Before we get started today, a quick but important message for you. And uh, you'll have to excuse me because I'm, I'm away from my studio right now, training with my job. But I really wanted to get this story out to you as soon as I could. And uh, an opportunity to record came up, so I'm taking it. Anyway, every so often I get a message regarding a creature or phenomenon that I've never heard of before. An encounter that is above and beyond most others. The beings encountered in this story have prompted me to create a new system of classifying the more obscure, unknown cryptids that I come across. From now on, when I feel the need to, I'll assign a class or grade to a particular entity. What you're about to hear is the account of a pair of what I would call alpha-class cryptids. For lack of a better name, I've decided to refer to them as death merchants. You'll know why soon enough. Now, my friends, sit back and enjoy. This one is something else. Hey, Mr. X. My name is Lou. First off, I love your channel. It's so great that people have a place to share their stories. It's this community and the environment that you've created that has emboldened me to actually share my own life-altering experience with the unknown. I normally don't like to talk about it or anything for fear of what people would think, but if there's any place I'd find some level of compassion and understanding, it must be here, with you and the people who listen to you. So here goes. Several years ago I was on my way home from work in the financial district of Lower Manhattan. New York, of course. I worked in an office building literally a block away from Wall Street. This was late 2011 around the time of those Occupy Wall Street protests in Zuccotti Park. The streets were packed with people wearing backpacks and headphones, carrying signs and megaphones. It was pretty much impossible not to bump into someone as you tried to navigate those narrow sidewalks. 
To be honest, the hassle wasn't anything special to me. I had my earbuds in with music playing to drown out the noises during my commute, just like any other day. I do consider myself a New Yorker through and through after all. However, in order to get to the subway and back home to Queens, I had to either go around or right through Zuccotti Park, which did get a bit annoying after a while. Still, crowded streets are a part of our reality. Unfortunately, the same is true for the millions of homeless people taking refuge in the various nooks and crannies of the city. I'm not a saint or anything, but I do try to at least drop a bit of spare change in their cups every so often. I wish I could say it was every time, but it's not. I want to help when I can, but I'm embarrassed to say that sometimes I'm in such a rush that I don't even notice them there. I guess that makes me no different than the people who just breeze by the needy without giving the poor souls even a single glance. Sometimes it's as if the homeless are an invisible element in our cities, subsisting on the scraps left behind from those more well-off. I think that may be the reason why what happened that afternoon, right in the midst of crowds of people, was able to go unnoticed. I don't think anyone but me realized or even cared what was happening. The park was too crowded for me to walk through that day, so instead of trying to fight my way across to the subway, I decided to circle around and try a different stop in a quieter area. To get there, I cut into a side street that was significantly less busy. The moment I set foot there, I was struck with a feeling of heaviness and dread that instantly plunged my previously decent mood into an abyss. I couldn't understand why or where it was coming from, so I pulled out my earbuds and turned off my music, just to be safe. I felt that I needed my senses to be as sharp as possible for whatever danger I was sensing. As I tucked the earbuds away in my coat pocket, a pungent odor began to creep into my nose. It was the smell that hits you when you walk into a subway car that a homeless person has claimed as their permanent dwelling place. I looked ahead toward the corner of one of the buildings to see a surprisingly young man in torn-up jeans and a hoodie. He had wild black hair and a long, unkempt beard. He rocked back and forth with a look of utter hopelessness etched into his face. He clutched a small cardboard sign that read, Help, please. Army vet. Lost everything. Just need $40 to get back home. There were very few people walking down that particular street, but there were enough passing through that he would occasionally pop out from his corner with his arms outstretched holding the sign, begging for the slightest bit of acknowledgement. It was quite a sad sight to behold. I felt terrible knowing that I had nothing on me to spare. As I got closer and closer to him, I felt terrible knowing that I had nothing on me to spare, so I would inevitably end up being one of those people myself, walking by him without seeming to care at all. Just as that thought crossed my mind, I saw an odd-looking man further down the road, walking toward the homeless guy. The strange man stopped and crouched down to the homeless one's level. After staring at him a moment, the stranger reached into his pocket and pulled out a large roll of cash, holding it out in front of him as if to offer it, but clearly holding something back. It was a bizarre sight, especially in New York City, but at least I no longer felt as guilty being unable to help the poor guy. I wish things went as you would expect from that point on, but unfortunately, that's where things began to get weird. To be honest, I've been building up this long preamble because every time I think back to this event, 
A sharp chill runs down my spine and I swear my eyes tear up. So as I continue to walk toward the pair, I realize that everything, like the world around me, began to slow down somehow. The loud noises of city streets faded into a soup of auditory blur. Every sound muffled as if I was holding my hands over my ears, or had my head underwater. As this was happening, I realized I was staring at the strange man holding the wad of cash. I noticed how ordinary he was. Everything about him seemed so plain. He was dressed like any other white-collar worker. A simple, or even slightly ugly brown suit hung loosely on his slender frame. He wore a tie and dress shoes and carried a generic leather briefcase. He also had a matching brown hat on his head, angled in order to hide the top half of his face. As I slowly made my way closer to them, the stranger lifted his head to meet the confused gaze of the homeless man. That's when I stopped dead in my tracks. The formerly bland appearance of the man became clearer to me, and I noticed two haunting features. His skin was ashen white. Not paper white, but not quite gray either. And his eyes, they were a deeper black than I could ever describe. I tried my best to rationalize what I was seeing, but my brain just had a visceral reaction against it. A guy wearing black contacts in a business suit would be a little weird, but I'm sure it wouldn't be the first time someone had made those particular fashion choices out in NYC. I can tell you this, though. A regular guy dressed like that would not be enough to stop a New Yorker in their tracks like it did me. It was more than just the look of him. It was the feeling I got from him. It was like being punched in the chest. As a child, I dealt with frequent asthma attacks. And as an adult, I've had more than my share of panic attacks. But this was something else entirely. Much worse. A heavy, nauseating feeling that was born in the pit of my stomach and crawled up my chest before nesting in my throat. The air had become solid around me as I stood there, frozen. I could see in my peripheral vision that other people were still walking by through the side street although I somehow saw them moving in slow motion. After a few moments, the strange man and the homeless man's voices seemed to emerge from the muffled white noise of the rest of the city. Their voices slowly became clearer to me. I missed a lot of what was being said, but certain words stood out. I... I don't want to die. The words shuddered from the homeless man's mouth as he reached for the money. His eyes were fixed on the roll of cash yet steeped in hesitation and fear. The stranger smiled at him, and I swear to you, Mr. X, something about that smile made me want to scream. It was that moment I realized I couldn't scream even if I wanted to. I could do nothing but stand there helplessly, my feet nailed to the concrete sidewalk as the scene played out just a few yards in front of me. The stranger's response was chilling. At the mention of his name, Robbie sat straight up with a look of slack-jawed amazement, tinged with horror. A side note going forward, I'll refer to the man in the brown suit as Brown. This will be important in a few moments. So, before Robbie could say anything, Brown lifted his hand as if to give an important presentation and spoke again. His voice was just so wrong. I can only describe it as oily, gravelly, and wet like someone trying to talk through a mouthful of phlegm. 
If you think the description sounds gross, just imagine how foul it made me feel hearing it. Question is, do you want to die happy and comfortable, wanting nothing, or here in this alley where no one will even notice until you've been rotting for a while? I still don't know how that scream didn't fly out of my mouth after what happened next. If I could have moved at all, I would have jumped right out of my skin. A third voice chimed in before the corresponding figure stepped into my view. Another strange man, nearly identical to Brown except taller, and somehow even thinner, and wearing a gray suit. I'll call this one Gray, for the sake of organization. Gray held a lit cigarette between two fingers and stared down at Robbie with a tired ambivalence. Take the money, Robert. We have things to do. Robbie nodded with a resigned expression as he took the cash. He gasped as he clawed at the bills, unfurling a surprising amount. This is so much, he exclaimed. I couldn't make out what was said next. I saw Brown stand up next to Gray, followed by Robbie standing and gathering his few possessions from the ground before thanking the two strange men, and then briskly walking toward me. He brushed past me in a hurry, thanking God over and over again, crying. I still couldn't move. I was stuck there as the two strangers' gazes fell upon me when Robbie was out of sight. The two sets of pitch-black eyes staring at me gave me the distinct feeling of being watched by something not human. Their mouths moved as if speaking to each other, but I couldn't make it out. The volume of the white noise around me was going crazy, up and down. It was extremely disorienting. Eventually I could hear a few bits of their conversation, but the language was unlike anything I'd ever heard. Now consider this. I speak fluent Spanish and understand bits of many other languages. Italian, French, Arabic, a little Japanese, and even some Yiddish. You tend to pick up little things here and there living in New York. I can certainly place a language roughly when I hear it. What the strangers were speaking was unlike anything I'd ever encountered. The sounds they were making weren't even sounds that people made. It actually caused me physical pain in my ears when I really began to hear it. Like when your ears want to pop on an airplane. The feeling when you know that there's pressure in there but you can't get it out, so it stings. The pain got so bad I wanted to vomit. Brown snarled a word at his friend in the same wet, nasty voice. English. Gray then made a bizarre clicking noise, smiling that same horrific smile that Brown did earlier. It'll be fine, Brown responded. Then why did you lie? What Brown said next still keeps me up some nights, even all these years later. He rolled his shoulders back and grunted. Does it matter? I'll be wearing that stupid chip by the next moon. My eyes began to well with tears as I tried desperately to look away, but I was still paralyzed. Slowly the world began to creak back toward normal speed again. Mr. X, I'm telling you, I'm trying so hard not to cry as I sit here typing this. 
just like the plight of Robbie or any other homeless person. No one bothered to even look at me as I stood there in terror. People were there, moving slower than normal, at least from my perspective, but no one stopped or noticed that I was in trouble. Gray looked directly at me. My head started swimming and I immediately felt dizzy. My vision blurred as I lost focus on all except one thing, Gray's voice. Um, well now, look what this one can do, cute. Suddenly, Brown stepped forward from the sea of blur, his black-eyed face sneering at me from mere inches away. Whatever. A chimp is a chimp. They're all the same. Gray's voice grumbled at me. Hey, you, chimp. Leave. Now. He snarled again, and I felt it in my bones. Keep walking. I wish I could tell you what happened next, but the next thing I knew, I was standing on the sidewalk all the way up at Columbus Circle in Midtown, almost a half hour's walk north of where I was. A man I didn't know was holding my shoulders as random people passed by with concerned looks on their faces. I was barely conscious. Once again, my vision was completely blurred out. When things slowly came back into focus, I could finally hear the man's voice. Yo, uh, you alright? He asked with a nervous tone. Damn near walked into traffic, man. You okay? Must be on drugs. Someone yelled out as they scooted by. I told the man I was okay as tears began to run freely down my face. I apologized and fled the scene as soon as I could, rushing over to the train station, having no idea how I got so far uptown. By the time I got home, I realized I wouldn't be able to tell anyone, not even my wife. She would definitely think I was losing my mind. I haven't seen those strange men, or whatever they were, since that day. I thank God for that. Over the years, I've done research into the paranormal to try to identify what they may have been, but I haven't found anything matching their description. I heard of black-eyed kids and black-eyed people, and the vibes people seem to get from them are somewhat similar to how I felt with brown and gray, but the situation overall was totally different. I don't know what I saw, and it still messes with me to this day. I've been to therapy about this. I've tried rationalizing and all kinds of other mental backflips, but no luck. Whatever the case, I can say that nowadays I can go about my daily life without thinking about that incident. Whenever I allow myself to reflect back on it, it seriously shakes me up. And I'm not immune to late nights of insomnia for fear of nightmares. I still question my own sanity every so often. Was this even real? After hearing some of the stories you tell on your channel, I wondered if anyone else might have seen something like this. So Mr. X, please share this story if you can. If anyone has had similar experiences, perhaps they can help explain what in the world I went through. It would mean so much to me if you could tell my story. Sincerely, Lou Hello again, my friends. First of all, please uh, excuse any residual 
engine sounds that you uh, might have heard throughout this video. I'm, I try to remove as many of them as possible, but it's not always doable for me. I happen to be situated in a hotel right now because I'm doing some uh, special training for my job. And there just so happens to be a, some sort of monster truck rally occurring on the highway outside my window. Anyway, now that I have you here, on to the analysis for this story. I know this was a really long one, and uh, when I first read Lou's email, I labeled it as being of high priority. Many thanks to him for providing that high level of detail and reference I needed to write the story. Although the version you just heard was written by me, his original email was among the best written accounts I've ever received in my inbox. It was very impressive. When people take the time to write out all the facts and details they remember about an incident, it helps me craft the story that faithfully recreates the feelings and events involved. And then in turn, I can share that story with you in a very uh, evocative and effective way. And I very much appreciate that, so if you're thinking about telling me a story, do your very best to write it as in the most detailed way you can, and, and tell me how you felt, and how you, and how the incident affected you as a person, or affected your day or your life. The more details, the more accurately I can portray your experience when I write the script for my video. So, I actually kept a lot of the emotional content and side notes that, that Lou told me in his email, because I felt they contributed to the sincerity of the story. I could feel genuine fear and bewilderment in his words. And that's another testament to him as a, as a writer. It was interesting to me when he mentioned the language spoken by the strange men as being unrecognizable. The way that he described that, I could kind of, I could understand it very well because I'm originally from New York myself. And I know it's truly a place where you're exposed to more cultures and languages than you know what to do with. And also, uh, in my past, I did a lot of uh, linguistic work myself. So I know the feeling of being utterly unable to place a language. And I also know when something doesn't even sound like a human language phonetically, not sounding like something that human beings would even conceive to do. I really wonder what these creatures could have possibly been. The feelings and the emotions that uh, Lou conveyed to me in that email, it, it just didn't sound like something that a person was just making up and didn't believe in themselves. So whatever the case may be, I believe wholeheartedly that Lou was telling me the truth. From his perspective, this is, the, this is his world, this is what he lives. He lives every day with the memory and the recollection of these events, as bizarre and as unbelievable as they may be. These creatures seem to have elements from several different types of cryptids, like black-eyed people, of course, reptilians, the uh, world-famous conspiracy theory stars, reptilian creatures, and uh, even non-cryptids like the Hat Man and the Men in Black. However, as the story went on, I got this feeling that they may be some type of either aliens or, or some other type of hyper-advanced species, perhaps even humans that are 
vastly more evolved in some way than we are because they saw us as chimps, primitive, not just the homeless man, but also the well-off white-collar worker on Wall Street, even a person that would normally be seen as among the upper crust, I would assume, is still so far beneath them that they are just as much of a chimp as any other human. They see us as unevolved and as fodder for them to use for whatever purpose. I wonder why they chose Robbie and basically left Lou for a lifetime of self-doubt and nightmares. Perhaps they go after people that they feel wouldn't be missed in their absence. Why do they need human bodies to wear, as they said? I wonder if perhaps that their decrepit-looking appearance is related to the fact that they were looking for human bodies to, quote, wear. Perhaps they use that body and eventually it just wastes away and they have to find a new one and they end up choosing a poor soul like Robbie. I wonder whatever happened to Robbie. Is he still alive today or or will we be more likely to see him wearing a brown suit with a hat with black eyes? So many questions, my friends. Let me know your theories in the comment section down below and don't forget to like and subscribe for more like this if you haven't already. Anyway, I hope this message finds you well, my friends. Until next time, I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams. Thanks again for watching, guys. So, my friends, brown and gray sure had some pasty skin on their faces. If you're listening to this portion of the video, you probably know the drill. Work the word pasty into your comment down below. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. Take care. Hello again, my dreamers. Mr. X Dreams here. I wanted to thank you for listening to the Mr. X Dreams podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I said before, make sure you follow this podcast for countless journeys to come. Don't forget, if you can, please leave a five-star rating and review. It'd be very much appreciated, and it certainly helps out. If you feel I deserve it, that is. Also, if you have a scary story of your own to share, Reach out to me at mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. That's mr.xdreams54 at gmail.com. You might even hear it on a future episode of the show. Once again, thanks for listening, my friend. I hope you're well. Enjoy your day, night, weekend, or whatever's coming next. I wish you the best in all your endeavors. Until next time, I'm Mr. X, and may your nights be full of dreams.